No matter who you are, things in your life probably aren't going as expected, whatever that means. But the things you are doing right now, no matter what they are, that's your life. It's not a plan B. I'm your host, Madeline Mortensen, and you're listening to This Is Not A Backup Plan. Hey friends, welcome back to This Is Not A Backup Plan. Happy Friday. My apologies that it's Friday and not Wednesday. I got back from visiting my cousin in the Netherlands on Sunday and... I always think I'm going to be better at dealing with jet lag than I am. I was less tired this time coming back than I have been other times. However, I just ended up sleeping a lot more this week. So that's why I'm a little bit behind, but I'm really excited to be back. I love going on a trip and I love coming home. Like I love both of those things. I don't know if I would say equally, but I love both of those things passionately and differently. So it was really fun to not be in my reality for two weeks. And it's really fun to come back to my house and to like cook myself dinner and to organize things and to have my whole closet at my disposal. I just, I love being in my space deeply, just the way that I love visiting a new place and exploring things. So this week's episode is from someone that I have really enjoyed following on Twitter for a while. It's Natalie Allen, who's on Twitter at NatMyPresident. And the reason I started following her on Twitter was a few years ago when she was sewing her graduation dress, she was posting pictures of the process and it was so beautiful. And I'm always so impressed when someone sews a whole outfit because I find that a little bit overwhelming. And so Natalie and I decided to talk a little bit about her experience with sewing, how she got into sewing, and then also about having hobbies as an adult and finding hobbies after a big life change. For Natalie, that big life change was becoming a parent, but honestly, I think that anyone who's experiencing big life changes like going to school or graduating or getting a new job or moving understands that it can be tricky to connect with things that you love. We're also going to talk a little bit about redefining the idea of a hobby and also a little bit about saying no to the way that capitalism encourages you to monetize creative hobbies because you completely deserve to have something that you love to do and it does not need to be financially justified in any way. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Natalie and just so glad to be back chatting with all of you. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to chat with you. To get started, will you introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Natalie. I live in Texas with my husband and daughter and our dog. I'm a speech pathologist and I like to sew. So I've been following you on Twitter for a while, and I think the reason I started was a few years ago, you sewed this beautiful graduation dress. If I'm remembering, it was like white and it had a really fun flower pattern on it, and maybe they were like embroidered or something like that. And you were tweeting your journey of like your dress and why you chose to sew it, and I just really enjoyed that. It was so much fun to see your project come to life. Can you tell me a little bit about how long you've been sewing and like when you started, what you enjoy about it? I've been sewing since before I can remember. My grandma taught me how to sew. Every summer I'd go to St. George to visit her and we'd always do little sewing projects and I'd make like table runners or stuff, something like that. And 
eventually I, I started making quilts. And then when I got to college, I started making clothes after I took a clothing construction class in college. I've been sewing for a really long time, and it kind of runs in the family. Like I said, my grandma taught me how to sew, but her and all of her sisters and all of the women in my family have a yearly quilt retreat where we all get together and just sew. And sometimes we have a project in mind, and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we do a piecemeal project where we all make 20 or 30 of one square, and then we exchange the squares and then we that way we have a little quilt that was made by everybody. So it's fun. That's really cool. I think it's so cool that it's not just like a hobby, not just something that brings you joy, but also something that connects you with so many important people in your life. Yeah, I would say for sure it's connection, especially with my grandma. I, I really have gotten close to her when we sew and work on projects and sometimes things get a little testy because <laughs> sewing can be frustrating. But, you know, we've always had a fun time and we like going to the store and picking out fabric together. And some of my favorite childhood memories are sewing with my grandma and my cousin. So I love that. Can you tell me a little bit about what it is that you enjoy about sewing, whether it's like anything from the process to like the final product, what it is that, about the hobby that brings you joy? I really like making something that is useful. I have ADHD, so I'm kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. So I've tried a lot of hobbies in the past, but sewing is always the one that stuck around because I feel like when I make something, it's useful, whether I'm making clothes or a quilt or like a little bag or something, you know, it's something that I can use in my daily life. And I like the process part just fine, but I really do like having that final product and knowing that I made this and being able to pick out the fabric. I think anybody that sews will tell you that picking out the fabric is the favorite part because a lot of times you buy fabric before you even know what you're going to make with it. I have like boxes of fabric that I have meant to make things with and I just haven't gotten to it yet. I think that you're exactly right that fabric is the funnest part and sometimes I'll see a pattern or a project that's really cute enough to step back and ask myself do I like the project or do I like the fabric and say will it be this cute if I don't find the perfect fabric for it. I have to ask myself what is it that I like about this. So then tell me a little bit about So you said you started sewing clothes when you were in college after you took a clothing construction class. Tell me a little bit about that process. Like what kinds of stuff did you start with and what was the experience like of figuring out how to fit things and how to make actual wearable pieces come together? So the first project is a classic first project, pajama pants. I think everybody who starts to sew with clothes typically starts with pajama pants because that at least... I remember like growing up and doing church activities where we made pajama pants. It was a tricky class. I think a lot of people think that clothing construction is not that hard or like sewing isn't that hard. I don't know. Maybe that's a wrong perception, but (laughs) I think it was really difficult because you have to learn, you have to know a lot of math. You have to be pretty good at like fractions and multiplication and addition and subtraction and And you just have to have a good handle on things in that aspect. But I really did love the class. I met some really good people in the class because when you sit at a machine for 
four hours every week and you have the same machine partners next to you, you really get to know those people. So again, it's that connection that I really love. It's fun to sew alone, but it's more fun to sew with people around you. The class was really eye-opening because I really learned how to do a lot of the more technical things like sewing a button and making pleats and gathers and which is when for people who don't sew it's when you fold up the fabric so that it fits better it creates like a fitted look and darts same thing it it creates it helps you fit in the clothes better because everybody's got curves and angles and things that you have to work around. It was really cool to get to know just the different like foundations of sewing, especially with clothing construction, which I hadn't experienced before. Up to that point, I'd only really made quilts and like smaller projects. I really liked the class and I really liked getting to know the technical aspects of sewing and being able to construct my own clothes. It's really followed me because now I can read a pattern. That was another thing that I had to learn was how to read a pattern patterns aren't super straightforward if you don't know what you're doing. I think that's really cool to learn, talk about all those technical aspects, because if you don't know about them, you don't like necessarily know why your clothes fit, which if you don't know that, like sewing them is hard. Can you walk me through the process of now, like when you want to sew a piece of clothing, like how do you start and how do you do like the research or the exploring what you want to do? Kind of thinking if somebody wanted to try out sewing clothes, what does that process look like? I always start with a pattern. So usually I find a pattern that I like. I haven't gotten to the point where I can make my own pattern yet. That's out of my wheelhouse for now. (laughs) Pattern construction was like three classes and more advanced than what I was working on. It's really difficult. So I usually start with a pattern. You can find them at any craft store like Joann's or Hobby Lobby or online. Etsy has really great patterns. There's lots of small shops that have really great patterns out there. So I usually start with one of those. The pattern tells you what kind of fabric to buy and what kind of notions you need. So like whether you need buttons or zippers, bias tape, which is just like a stretchy kind of tape that helps you put in edges and curves. So it just, the pattern is really helpful for knowing what you need. And then from there, I would pick a fabric that matches the pattern. So some patterns you want a stretchy fabric and some patterns you want like a cotton woven less stretchy fabric. So it really depends on the pattern. And then from there, you have to cut it out, which if I'm going to be honest, is my least favorite part of sewing. Because especially when you're making something big, like pants or like a jumpsuit, I had a jumpsuit that I made. Or did I finish it? I don't remember. I start a lot of product projects that I don't end up finishing. But it's tricky because you have to have a lot of space like a flat open space. So in my apartment right now, I have this big island, which is great, but we're moving. So I don't know where I'm going to be able to lay stuff out in my new place. So that's probably my least favorite part is the cutting out the fabric and just finding a place for that. And then from there, once you cut everything out, it all comes together pretty nicely, actually. When you follow the direction, this sounds so like count like intuitive, so obvious. But when you follow the directions, things just start to take shape. And you're like, oh my gosh, this looks like a shirt. I feel like I didn't sew a shirt, but here's a shirt. So that's another thing that going back to what I like about sewing is just watching it take shape just from sewing a line or 
folding something one way and then sewing over it, you're like, oh my gosh, I just made a shirt, like the kind that you buy from the store. So that's cool. Do you feel like as you're sewing like that, using a pattern helps you navigate or do you get to parts where you're like, I'm not quite sure what that would actually look like in practice. And do you have to look anything up? Are there any resources you use if you're trying to navigate a tricky spot or something like that? Google is always helpful. YouTube, like people have really great videos on YouTube. If I ever get stuck with something and there have definitely been times where I've had to like look something up because I read, sometimes I read the words and I'm like, I don't even know what that's telling me to do. So looking up like on YouTube, like how to sew a dart or how to pleat or something, looking that up is always really helpful. And a lot of the patterns have pictures too, which is helpful. But yeah, I would say it's not uncommon to have to look things up. And if you do have to look things up, that doesn't mean that you failed or don't know what you're doing. It's just... I think it's totally normal and totally common to have to do that. Something you talked about is like that you're in an apartment and like you have an island right now, but you don't know what the spaces you have in the future. And you also sound like you sewed in college too. What are things that have helped you like fit sewing into different spaces and continue to sew even as your life changes? Yeah, that's been really tricky. I splurged on a really nice machine when I graduated from my undergrad. And so it's always been important to me to have a space that I can sew because I spent a lot of money on a machine and because I like to sew. I think my most, I look back and I'm just like, why did I do this? But one summer I lived at a summer camp where I was a counselor. And of course I brought my sewing machine and I set it up in the living room of the main area where everybody would like congregate and gather. There was a little desk in there and I just set my machine up in there and sewed a couple quilts over that summer. It's definitely doable. You just have to be creative about your space. Like right now in this apartment, because we only have a two bedroom and my daughter has her bedroom, all of my sewing stuff is in our garage. And so whenever I need to sew, I'd have to go out in the garage, which honestly has been a deterrent because like I said, I live in Texas. So in the summer, it's incredibly hot. But so I haven't been sewing as much as normal, but now we're moving into three bedroom. And I'll be able to have some space for my sewing machine. And I'm really excited about that because I have a lot of projects on my to-do list. So that is really exciting. So these things you've mentioned, like graduating or being at a summer camp or being a parent, those are all really just can be big life changes that can make it hard to continue doing things you love. But it sounds like you've worked really hard to continue making sewing an important part of your life. What has helped you to prioritize that and to fit that in even as things change? Yeah, I would say just finding things that inspire me for sure is really helpful. If I don't have a project to work on, I'm not going to sew. Finding fabrics that I love, finding patterns that I love, baby gifts if I need to make a gift for somebody else those always get my creative juices flowing and help me feel, help me prioritize sewing. Because if there's one thing that is pro of my ADHD is that I'm going to get something done with, whether it's like, I have the kind of ADHD where if there's a deadline, I'm going to wait until right before the deadline, but I'm going to do it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to wait. So that's been helpful is just to have a project to work on, a gift that I need to give, or something that inspires me. 
We love that. Where are you finding those things that make you excited about sewing? Since I had my daughter, I haven't been as inspired to sew. And so it's been hard for me to get going with that. There's a few friends that I have that have a sewing group chat going and they post like what they're making and we share patterns and not in an illegal way, but just like a, hey, I bought this pattern (laughs) because I liked it. Just to clarify, that's really helped me start to get those creative juices flowing again. And now I'm just waiting until we're in our new apartment. It's not an apartment, it's a townhome to get started with sewing again, rekindling that flame that has dulled just a little bit since having my daughter because it's crazy when you're a mom. But now that I'm going to have a space for sewing, it's and I have this group chat with all this inspiration, it's going to be a lot better and a lot easier for me to sit at my machine and sew. I really like the idea of a purpose-driven group chat that can be a special space for a hobby. General group chats are really fun, but the idea that like this is a group chat where we're sharing these types of things would be a really fun way to not only connect with friends, but also help develop a hobby more if you're trying to do more things that brought joy into your life. I highly recommend finding friends that share your hobbies. It if not just for the the inspiration. And I guess you don't need inspiration if your hobby is playing pickleball. But finding friends that share your hobbies is really important. You can build a connection based on that. And you can really bounce ideas off of each other. And it helps you grow better when you have people that you love that share your hobbies and interests. That's really cool. Something you mentioned, and I think this is really fun that we're talking about your sewing hobby and also like you being a new parent, because I put a question box on Instagram for people to like share things they'd be interested about in the podcast. And one of my friends was like, starting hobbies again after you become a parent. Because that's like such a that's such like a big hard thing which I haven't experienced. And I'm just curious if now that you are a parent and now that you have a daughter, are there any other hobbies or things you find yourself drawn to trying out? What are some of the things that you're interested in that you maybe weren't before? Oh gosh, I have to think about that one. Yeah, I've gotten I've like hyper fixated on a lot of parenting related things. I'm really into car seat safety. (laughs) That's not a hobby, but I've learned a lot about it in like other kinds of safety things. But in terms of hobbies, I would say I've gotten a lot more into video games and playing them with my husband after she goes to bed. That's a great time to work on your hobbies is after they go to bed because we put my daughter to bed at like 7 or 7.30. So we have a couple hours after that where we can work on our hobbies and just spend time together. So, you know, I've enjoyed playing video games with my husband. Again, that connection. He likes to watch me play because a lot of the games that I play, he's played before. And so he knows what to expect and he likes watching me try and figure it out. So I would say that's one that's been good for me. Thinking about the video game that you shared and then what you shared about sewing, like with the group chat or the place to sew or like the time to play video games, it seems that a helpful thing for continuing hobbies through life changes is like dedicated spaces for them, whether it's like a physical Mm -hmm. space or a group chat for them or a time of the day. Yeah. When you're a parent, you really have to work hard to make that space. But I think it's so important to not let one thing become your identity. And that goes for anything. Like you don't want your job to become your identity. You don't want 
being a parent to be the only thing that you have, which is so hard. Because, and I'm living through that right now, trying to find hobbies and trying to find space for my for myself, for self-care and for the things that I enjoy. Because a lot of the times at the end of the day, I'm like so tired. But I find it really restorative to do things that challenge your mind and are relaxing at the same time. And that's how I feel about sewing and video games is that they're both challenging, but they both relax me. Yeah, I think it's important to find space, whether that's time or physical space, to work on your hobbies and really prioritize that self-care. I know self-care is a buzzword right now, but it's, it is important. And your hobbies don't have to be something big. Sometimes my hobby is scrolling through TikTok and sending videos to my friends. Again, going back to that connection. So it, I think hobbies change with your season of life too. And that's okay. You don't have to keep one hobby forever. And if you do keep a hobby forever, that's fine too. But there have been things that I have picked up and have not been able to continue with because it just didn't, it didn't mesh with me. It didn't, it just wasn't right for me. Like I've tried crocheting. I've tried painting, I've tried drawing, lettering. I've tried lots of different things, and but nothing has stuck with me like sewing. I just was thinking about the way you were talking about how it's important to have hobbies so that something, so that the big things in your life aren't the only thing, whether it's you being a parent, whether it's like your relationship to someone else or your lack of a relationship to someone else or school could really define who you are, like what you're studying, what you're majoring in. And I feel like I've always thought of, oh, a hobby is a fun thing you do, which is one definition of it. But I like the way of thinking of your hobby is things that like keep you dimensional. There are things that keep you from being rigidly defined by the big things in your life that we can often be defined by. And I feel like thinking about it that way maybe opens up some new possibilities for what a good hobby for your life might be. Yeah. And that that got me thinking about how in this day and age, like a lot of people feel, especially with more creative hobbies like sewing or crafting in general, a lot of people feel tempted to monetize their hobbies. They're like, oh, I've gotten really good at this and I enjoy it. I'm going to start selling this. And I think that can be really good or that can really take away the passion of the hobby. So I think it's important to really weigh the risks and benefits of starting to sell things or trying to monetize any of your hobbies because then it just gets into like, great, more capitalism. (laughs) I think that is huge. Anne Helen Peterson is a very thoughtful writer and journalist. She's wrote a lot about culture. She wrote a book about burnout. I haven't read her book about burnout yet, but I read some of her other books. She talks about that, like an issue we have in this world is, do you have a hobby or do you have something you feel like should become your side hustle? And it's okay to have permission to not have a side hustle to, I love, I loved when you were saying that like, you don't finish all your projects and that's an important thing to give yourself permission to, to like enjoy having a final project, but also enjoy that you thought about something, you tried some things out. And even if it didn't make it all the way to the end, like the hobby was to relax. The hobby was to find yourself outside of the big things in your life. It wasn't necessarily to have something at the end. 
Yeah, for sure. So I guess just like maybe a closing question, when you get settled in a new townhome, is there like any fabric you're itching to use? Is there anything you've seen lately that's cool that you're thinking this might be your next project? I did buy a pattern for some shorts recently, so I might do that. I have a lot of like muslin fabric that I bought when I had ambitions for making baby clothes out of it and I never did so I might turn those into a baby blanket or something for my daughter but yeah that's what's on the drawing board for when I get a good space for sewing is shorts and maybe some blankets and I'm excited for you because you live in Texas so you can probably wear shorts like most of the year yeah it's true shorts are a good investment when you live in Texas (laughs) (laughs) It's so hot here. I am so excited for you. I'm very excited for you and your cute new shorts. And I hope you and your family have a good move. Yeah, thank you. And I'll have to post the shorts on Twitter when I make them. Yes, yes. So before we wrap up, do you want to share your Twitter handle so that people can find you on the internet? Or if if you have Instagram or you're somewhere else, but where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, so my Instagram handle is... Natalie, N-A-T-A-L-E-E, of The Pasture, which is a reference to the show Over the Garden Wall, which if you've never seen that, you should watch that. That's another thing is I made costumes based on that show and you can find those on my Instagram. So much fun. And thank you so much for your time. It was so fun to chat with you today. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thank you to Natalie for her time. Thank you to you for listening. If you like listening to this podcast, please rate and review on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy to rate on Spotify. You just have to tap the five stars. And on Apple Podcasts, you can even write a few sentences about what you like. This is how I find more people to listen to this podcast. This is how this community grows. And this is how I'm able to continue doing the work by having an audience that grows so that I can find exciting guests to share with you. You can find me on Twitter at Madeline K. You can find this podcast on Instagram at Not A Backup Plan. You can support this work on Patreon and all of those links are in the show notes. Next week, we're going to have Amelia Rose from the C'est La Me podcast. She was a super fun conversation. We talked all about how she's been adjusting to working full-time after graduating college, which was a fun conversation because once again, another big, interesting life change to navigate. I am so glad that all of you are here. I get so excited to chat with you every week. And in the meantime, remember, this is your life. It's not a plan B. (laughs) 